Mr. Perry is a renowned math teacher at Mercer Island High School. Students far and wide, current and graduated, remember him as the humorous math teacher who made the Sokotoa trigonometry song forever be stuck in their heads. Currently, he teaches Algebra 1 and Geometry. How are you, Mr. Perry? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself, Colson? I'm great. Uh, it's been <laughs> okay, you? Um, yeah. So, when did you first begin teaching, and why did you choose Mercer Island? Wait, can I re-ask that question? It sounds animated. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right, it's um, all good. When did you begin teaching, and why did you choose Mercer Island High School? So, I began teaching in uh, 2013, and I taught at a uh, school in Spanway, Washington, called Spanway Lake High School, and I taught there for five years. Um... <laughs> I chose Mercer Island because my wife was uh, working in Seattle. She was working for, uh, at the time, it was called uh, the Early Music Guild. Now it's called Early Music Seattle. And so when we were getting married, uh, I needed to find a new job closer to Seattle. So um, I was looking at different schools. I was looking at North Shore, Bellevue, uh, Issaquah and uh, Renton and I saw this uh, position pop up on Mercer Island High School and so I reached out to a friend of mine who actually, who I taught with at Spanley Lake, uh, Russell Skursky and he teaches at Islander Middle School and he's, uh, he informed me that Mercer Island is a great district um, the community is very welcoming so I decided to apply and yeah, now I'm now I'm here teaching. Right on. Uh, I've seen you running before on the island. I think <laughs> many of your students have seen you in public. Is that interesting? Yep. I mean, Mercer Island's pretty small, so that, I'm sure that how often does that happen? Okay, so Mercer Island. I looked this one up. Mercer Island is roughly 13 uh, square miles, or a little bit more, 13 square miles. And so I wanted to see how big that was in comparison to uh, a family. My my sister-in-law's family lives on Vashon. Vashon is about almost three times the size, and I thought Vashon was tiny. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I, I kid you not. I actually see students running the same route. So I usually run the I ninety. Uh, park, I forgot what it's called, it's like the Greenway Trail or whatever, and um, yeah, actually I see students running and I wave at them. It is weird because, you know, when, when you get older you want to have that privacy, and as much as I love being the center of attention, <laughs> uh, there, there's sometimes I really want that privacy. So it is kind of weird, though. If a student didn't show up to class and I see them walking on the street, I call them out on it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I remember when you were my teacher last year, mm -hmm. you spoke about having difficulty with math in your own schooling experience. So I'm just wondering how you went from that to being a professional math teacher. Uh, okay, so I'm going to give the the long sob story here. I never liked school. I actually, I wanted to be a, uh, a history teacher. I loved history, and um, I, I loved history. I loved music. And so uh, people can talk to me about rock and roll. I can tell you 
pretty much everything there is to know about rock and roll and where rap came from and what the first rap song was. I, I can tell you guys all that. And um, I sucked at math and I knew I was terrible at math when I couldn't convert mix. I couldn't convert improper fractions into a mixed fraction in sixth grade. I couldn't do it. I couldn't turn uh, 11 divided by six. And I just felt so demoralized. And I remember I used to act out in school. Seventh grade, I tried to hide my grades from my parents. And seventh grade, I failed math. Thank goodness it wasn't required. So they put, um, I took pre-algebra and I barely passed with a C. Uh, Algebra one, I cried because I passed my first semester with a 71%. (laughs) I I, I was terrible at math. And second semester, I think I got like a 75%. uh, In Puyallup, I grew up in Puyallup and uh, Puyallup School District, it was, uh, you can get a D, but you couldn't go on to the next class if you had a D. So you had to have a C or better to move up. Um, I, I really think I just sucked up to the teacher <laughs> and got into geometry. Geometry, I got B minus. Um, algebra two. So uh, back in this time, this was right during No Child Left Behind. And No Child Left Behind says that you know kids have to take a certain amount of math classes. And so I took algebra, geometry, and for college you need a third year math. So I took algebra two. Now it's you have to take, you're required to take algebra, geometry, and a third year math. Um, so after I took algebra two, I got an A and an A minus. That was actually my f- my first semester. I got a straight 4.0. And senior year came around and we were signing up for classes. I was done with math. I wanted to take AP World History. Um, so I signed up for that. My mom actually <laughs> looked to me and said, you're taking pre-calculus. I said, no, I'm not. And for any of you who have a demanding mother would would adhere to me or to the mothers out there would hear me and say, when a parent tells you to do something and you don't do it, you magically end up there anyways. <laughs> but you were kicking and screaming along the way. And, <laughs> and when I took it, um, it, it, it started to click and I, I figured out math was just a giant puzzle and all these complex stuff that I was learning in pre-calc was now starting to make sense. Why did I do this in algebra one? Why did I learn this in geometry? How does this affect anything later on? And I took pre-calculus and then that's what happened. Um, then I decided to go to college, took uh, calculus classes. Oh my gosh, and that was a that was a fun time, and when I mean fun, I mean sarcastic. Um, I took linear algebra in at PLU Pacific Lutheran University, uh, go Lutes, and the professor. I remember, and Colson, you were in my class when this happened. I had him. Uh, this is why I say if and only if. Um, whenever I talk about uh, conjectures and biconditional statements, is because this guy uh, would was so hard to understand, and I, I realize that professors and teachers are not the same uh, occupations; it's not the same profession. And I realized I really wanted to help the kids 
understand why they um, understand how the math works at a younger age before they get to where I am freaking out in junior and senior level math. So I joined uh, the education department at Pacific Lutheran University and I decided to become a teacher. Now, what's interesting about me in comparison to the other math teachers, um, which it's not very well-known knowledge, um, I actually do not have a math degree. I have a teaching degree. The other math teachers, they their bachelors are in mathematics <clears throat> and or finance or something like that, <clears throat> and their master's is in teaching. My bachelor's is actually in teaching, and my master's is also in teaching as well. So, um, yeah, so I'm not... I don't have a math degree. I have a teaching degree, but I'm endorsed to teach uh, two different types of math. I'm a I'm certified to teach nine through twelve. So, like when you were in my class, I was certified to teach that, and I'm also certified to teach uh, all the way down to fourth grade math specialist. So, there's a long answer. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Uh, see, I, I, I try not to use those because I remember my wife was watching the show This Is Us and uh, I, I just sat there and it was it was uh, something about learner learner of all, master of none. Oh yeah, jack of all trades. That's what it was. Because when I hear jack of all trades, it sounds cool. But when you realize it, it means you're a master of none. So... I always try and stay away from jack of all trades. Right. Yeah. Well, most people know that you're great at teaching math. I don't think I don't think that's disputed. <laughs> but, uh, well, <laughs> check my emails lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, moving past all this school stuff, you mentioned you you have a big interest in old school hip hop. Uh, <laughs> you care to talk about that? I mean, what do you what are some of your favorite? artists or groups so i'm obsessed with i'm i am obsessed with rock and i will say i am a sucker for spice girls funny enough they were the first group i've ever seen live i was seven years old (laughs) and um uh with hip-hop i have to go all the way back to the first official hip-hop group and go with uh the sugar hill gang because technically they're disco, but that's where rap came from. So if anyone who's listening wants to listen to the first ever rap song, look up the song Rapper's Delight with R-A-P-P-E-R apostrophe S, Delight. And uh, yeah, that, that they were actually pretty good. They were revolutionary. Um, whenever I lift weights, I definitely listen to some DMX. You, you know, X is going to give it to you as a great song when you're doing squats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm more into rock. Um, my favorite band is this uh, English band um, called Editors, and my brother got me into them. It's um, the lead singer has been known to have a higher range than Freddie Mercury, and I'm like, wow, that's impressive to say the least. Um, American bands, Foles. F-O-A-L-S. It's literally just a bass guitar and a drummer. Uh, no, wait, sorry, sorry. Um, that's Royal Blood. Royal Blood is the bass guitar and the drummer. Um, the English band, 
falls is a bunch of other stuff and uh you know the beatles definitely the british invasion um pretty much i i like any type of rock and roll and music except for the 80s for some reason i'm just not a big fan of 80s hair style rock and roll except for speed metal metallica um and stuff like that i think most people would agree with you there So, yeah. Um, is there anything you've been doing lately to pass the time? Well, I I don't live on Mercer Island anymore, so now I can have my privacy. Uh, my my wife and I just bought a house in Renton about two and a half weeks ago, and we are moving in right now. So I'm actually teaching from Renton now, uh, but I still go up to Mercer Island every so often during COVID to check my mail, things like that from school. Um, other than running, you know, I haven't ran in a while because A, we were just moving. B, my shoes are completely bald. So I need to get new shoes. Um, I used to be going to the YMCA about three times a week to lift again, but gyms are closed. So I'm looking into getting, uh, a uh, squat rack and a, a chair for the garage to do some more weightlifting. Uh, I mean, the biggest one is I'm a video game nerd. I am I'm obsessed with the game Destiny. I am currently at this time, so this is from November 24th, I am now a 1235 Warlock. And I'm obsessed with the ARC class. Yes, I'm an extreme nerd. Sea of Thieves is another great one. I love console gaming. Um, and I do play Among Us a lot. And that's that's been a fun game. Uh, Colson, have you ever played Among Us? Yeah, I've dabbled. <laughs> that one's always been my favorite so far for just fun games. Do you play on mobile or do you play on... Uh, the computer. Uh, yeah, I have a computer. I, I play. I, I haven't played it recently. Yeah, that, that one's a lot of fun. Especially uh, when you have a group of friends. I mean, do you have a, a group of people you play with? Yes. So, uh, I never had it. I learned about Discord uh, due to reasons that I'd rather uh, leave alone because uh, I figured out what students have been doing with Discord in class. And so I got a Discord account... And so a friend of mine is a uh, Twitch streamer. And so whenever she streams, she always asks me to pop in because uh, I can liven up the party a little bit. So I... You care I to shout I, her out? <laughs> uh, her name is Nat Girl, N-A-T-G-I-R-L. Uh, she's actually uh, good friends with me and my wife. She actually worked for my wife. Uh, before she left to be a reporter. So she does this on the side. So um, definitely check her out if you want to. She does a bunch of other games too, but I always pop in every so often. But yeah, that's that's my biggest thing is I, I love video games. I am reading a little bit more. I've um, been reading some HP Lovecraft, getting into the horror books. And then, yeah, that's... That's pretty much where my life is at at the moment. Nothing really special. 
That existential stuff is pretty cool. Do you have a favorite? Oh, the... Are you talking about favorite H.P. Lovecraft? Yeah, yeah, favorite Lovecraft work. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so there was two stories that were really messed up, and I absolutely loved every minute of it. And one of them was called the... I want to say it's called The Mound. Uh, It's really weird, and it doesn't seem like a horror story until at the very end. Uh, Pretty much, it's about an 18th century, uh, like, Wild West town sees this, like, ghost that appears on the mound every so often. The guy goes up to the hill, uh, figures out there's a journal that's written in Spanish... Uh, Spaniard came up there in the 1400s and disappeared and you hear the person's story and what happened to them um, the other one I would say gosh oh, the first one was a good one it was very brief it was three pages but it left you in terror uh, but I don't remember what it was but uh, the horror at the museum was good um and the mound, uh, not the mound, I just said the mound. There was another one where it was a, if a, a, a particular fly bites you and you don't get the serum, you turn into the fly that bit you. And so this evil doctor turned his friend into the fly and the person who's now a fly is messing with him, was following him all the way back to England from West Africa. And... <laughs> Uh, drew on the ceiling in ink, like five, four, three, two, and then at one, the guy just like isolates himself, and then magically he, even though he isolated himself, the fly managed to get in, bite him, and uh, died. So it was it was really creepy. The suspense was thrilling. But there were some, it was some great stories. I, I remember I got the book up in, uh, in a used bookstore in Canada in Victoria. And I, I just love horror books. They're, they're creepy. They are, um, they, they hook you. Like reading, I don't know, have you ever read the book It? No. Have you, I'm familiar you, with Stephen King. I've read The Shining. Okay, yeah, so you read The Shining, and uh, did you watch the newest movie? Yeah. Did you ever watch the original one with Tim Curry as Pennywise? No, I haven't watched that miniseries. So that one was back in the late 80s. That one, so the the newest one and the older one are parallel with the book in different ways. And I have to say... It's over a thousand pages, so if you if you want to read a thousand page book, be my guess, and it's it it grips you like The Shining is creepy. Yeah, it's it's building. It it, it kind of builds slowly. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, do you do you, do you read Stephen King? So I've read. So I read The Shining. I, I've read The Shining. I've read uh, Christine. Which I would <laughs> was a very inappropriate book for an eighth grader to write a book report on. <laughs> uh, if anyone has ever read Christine, would know about the first few pages on what the guy said who was selling the car with the quote that he says. I won't. I won't say it. It's it's really inappropriate. 
Um, so I've read Christine. I've read one that my wife recommended to me, and I read it on our honeymoon, and it was called uh, Tom... Uh, my friend... What was it called? I'm actually going to pull this one up, because it was a short book. Uh, so Stephen King, my friend... Uh, Tom... It was... Uh, Tom, no, not Tom Collin. Um, oh, there it is. The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Okay, I've heard of that one. Yeah, that one's really weird because it's it's not as scary, but you can emphasize with the girl because um, I'll get a little personal here because the girl's parents went through a divorce and the mother is trying to keep the family together in some way. And they go up to hiking uh, in the Appalachian Mountains uh, partway in Maine. And so um, I I fell for the girl because I understood how she felt with her mom trying to uh, keep with her family. And uh, this girl decides to go to the bathroom at a fork in the road. The fork in the road, the left just kept going, the right... um, went off into deep woods to go to the bathroom and she disappears. She thought she could uh, walk back the way she came, but the forest pretty much kind of consumed her. And so she had to go through. And so her fav- uh, her friend was Tom Gordon, who Tom Gordon was a actual baseball player. Um, a Let me see. So I forgot. I'm not much of a baseball fan. Are you much of a baseball fan? Not at all. Yeah, so he's from um, – so he joined up with the Diamond Razorbacks in 2009. So – and it says his – looks like he's been around Major League Baseball with the Kansas City Royals in 88, uh, then Red Sox in 96. So he's been around for a while, but it, it was a weird book. But, yeah, it was – I emphasized with her just because, you know, my parents went through a nasty divorce – and um, I, I remember what it felt like being a young child, not understanding what's going on. So, I, I just finished the stand over the summer. Have you heard of it? How is it? I, I have not really read good. it. Yeah, it's it's really good. I think I, I haven't read much of it. I, I've read uh, a few of his his short short story collections, The Shining, and then this is this is the the most recent one I've read. But I'd highly recommend it. It's very good. I mean, it kind of, uh, I, I just, I see the synopsis right here. Uh, the plot centers around a pandemic of a weaponized strain of influenza that kills almost the entire world population. Man! Yeah, yeah. Good time to read it. But it's pretty long. It's, it's, it's about a thousand pages or so. But it, it's great. It's, like a, it's kind of an epic. Oh my gosh, this is actually an old book, too. It came, well, older, 1978. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's two versions. There's he he had to edit it down a few hundred pages, and then I I read the extended version. He released it in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's great. I'd really recommend it. Does it? Um, so I have a question about that one because uh, I know Stephen King's novels uh, kind of go together yep. in a way. And I remember the Dark Tower series was supposed to be this bridge to connect all the different stories into the same universe or a multiverse. 
Um, did the stand ever like mentioned anything from any of his other books? Yeah, it did. So the the antagonist in the stand is Randall Flagg, who's also oh. the antagonist in the Dark Tower. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. So that, that's a that'll be a good one, especially right now. So that'll be another one. There were um, other books. I remember. I actually have her email saved from uh, from the librarian. She actually gave me a list of different different uh, spooky books to go with. So one's called Snow Glass Apples, and another one called Imaginary Friend. And then she gave me a list, like The Weird Company. Uh, I'm not going to read that one off. Oh, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, my gosh. Have you read Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, Telltale Heart and The Raven. So do you remember Do you remember the, uh, the poem that I read on Pi Day? No. Actually, no, you wouldn't have because uh, – quarantine and school closed before that happened so that's right so I always read this poem off every year uh, how many digits of pi do you know 3.1415 so there is a poem and anyone wants to check this out this person in 1995 wrote this poem uh, it was a retelling of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven and goes to 740 digits of pi. It is called Poe E near a raven. Poe is three, E is one, near is four, uh is one, raven is five. And so it's a 700 digit poem of the retelling of Poe's uh, story of the raven. And I always read off like a few of the stanzas every single year. And so like Midnight So Dreary, Tired and Weary, Silently Pondering, Volumes Extolling by my uh, all by now obsolete lore, During my rather long nap, the weirdest tap, Nominous vibrating sound disturbing my chambers and to door. This, I whisper quietly, I ignore. And why I just read was actually the digits of pi as words. And I, I read that one off every Pi Day. No, I don't give out Pi, as you well know. Um, he actually came back. I, I forgot what the guy's name was. Uh, Mike Keith. He actually came back and wrote uh, in 1996 what's called the Kadik Kadanza, which is short stories and poems uh, to nearly 4,000 digits of Pi. So I always show students why, uh, how math is used in the real world, how it's used in art and science and writings and things like that. Like Stephen King, for example, was not, uh, he would try and hide math in his writings. Just a few things here and there. So. You got any examples? I am actually looking it up right now actually um uh, <laughs> i love this i i pulled up uh an article about it and it says uh next horrifying stephen king adaptation is about demons of math um and so let's see i'm, I'm trying to think about was it 
No, maybe it wasn't Stephen King that I was thinking about. I apologize, everyone. No, it wasn't Stephen King who uh, loved to hide math. Um, are you a fan of The Simpsons? No. Not have really. you ever watched? Yeah, have you yeah. ever watched it? I, I know the basics. So, uh, did you know that half or nearly all the writers on the original Simpsons were actually mathematicians? Yeah. And they always threw in math jokes. Um, my favorite one was that they put in uh, vampire numbers. They actually put vampire numbers in one of their episodes. Uh, I'm actually looking up the episode at the second. Uh, let's see. Vampire numbers. The Simpsons. I can't actually find. Oh, here it is. No, that's just telling me that's vampires. Grr. So... Uh, for anyone who's interested in what vampire numbers are, uh, in number theory, which is like just numbers, uh, a vampire number is a composite natural number with even number of digits that can be factored into two natural numbers. And that actually sounds like a lot. For example, 21 times 60 is 1,260. A vampire number basically consumes the two numbers that are being multiplied and uses it. So, kind of interesting. Or um, another one, 15 times 93 is 1,395. So, I know, I'm a nerd. It's good stuff. Oh, but man. Yeah, so... What else? What else? Well, you, just before we go, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned deadlift. Or you, you mentioned weightlifting. Um, I'm <laughs> sure the viewers want to know how much can you deadlift. I have not deadlifted in a while. Um, so I can't really give you a full accurate. The last time I tried was uh, before the pandemic. And I couldn't do much because I, I, everyone, everyone at the gym would always take the deadlifting racks. So I can never do it. So, um, deadlift easily. I can do ninety on each side. Um, bench press. I can do fifty-two and a half. So forty-five, five, and two point five. And then for squats, I can do 55 easily on each side, which to some, they're like, oh, that's not much, Mr. Parent. I'm just going to say I'm not trying to bulk. That's not what I want to do. My goal is to be lean, a lean runner. Like, Colson, aren't you a runner? I run. So how often do you run? Uh, not much lately. I I, I just yeah. did cross country and track, but yeah. So you can see. Um, have you ever seen a defensive lineman run five uh, k? Yeah, they're fast. Wait, five for three miles straight though? Oh no no no, they're sprinters. <laughs> yeah, so I I'd rather not turn into the defensive lineman trying to run consistently a five ten k or half a half a marathon. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. All right, this interview's been great. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for talking.
Hey, always a pleasure, Colson. You can catch Mr. Perry at Mercer Island High School all times of the day when school's in session, right? Every time, every day. Uh-huh. You're listening to 889 The Bridge. You can catch my show on Fridays at 7 p.m. I'm Colson Rimmer.